Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 290 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Olympus Jr. locked down in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin locked down in, or sorry, shelter in place in uh, San Jose, California. Yep. Alrighty. So let's dig in. So yeah, I just, I just want to talk about like my working from a home experience too, because cause for a number of reasons, I, I basically, I'm just coming up on my 15th anniversary with my company and that's actually the 15th anniversary of when I started started working from home, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, like, I mean, I kind of felt that I had to go into that situation. Like, I couldn't, it, there was an untenable situation with the with my past employer, and, and, you know, the only way out of it was for me to just hey, pull all my stakes and just, you know, resign and, and start my own business, right? And so I did that, and, you know, like, so I remember the first little while, just like, what do, what do I do? I mean, I even went and did some, some house rentals for some guy because, you know, I needed to keep busy, right? And fortunately, I had some friends who, who, had work and they started giving me work and you know eventually I started building stuff over time my first year you know wasn't the best well it was a good not bad year but it wasn't a great year it wasn't like a company building year but you know I, I remember how difficult it was to sort of like what what do you do how do you justify like you know, there was no there was no boss there's no you know sort of I guess it's a little different with all of us working from home now is because we do have tasks and we do have reports and we do have you know things that we have to get done in a day right oh yeah and and I mean what what I'm experiencing is I mean I've worked from home before too but what I'm experiencing is like nothing I've ever been through because we're sheltered in place right now. The area is locked down. I mean, you're pretty much not supposed to leave your house except you're, you can go out and if you want to exercise by yourself outside yeah, yeah. or you can go to the supermarket or you can go to the doctor. But other than that, it's like, don't leave your house. And now it's through April at the earliest that, well, the first week of April at the earliest that this is going to happen. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy stuff. So I, don't know if, I don't know if they're calling it shelter in, in, shelter in, what do you call it? Shelter in place? Shelter in place. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah. They basically declared a state of emergency in the province and, of course, the country as well, right? And, and it's kind of going, it's spreading across other provinces too as well. Like we yeah. only have 10 provinces and two terrorists. Don't at me, people. But anyway, we're, we're not, we're not as, we don't have like 50 states like you guys have, right? But um, yeah, I mean, we can, you know, I, I drove downtown yesterday to meet an employee who needed my help. And so I met him at the office and, and, and I just drove in my car and I parked underneath the, the bank, which I would never do because the parking down there is crazy, like expensive, right? And I get down there and it's like, it like it's like a quarter full, you know, and there were probably like 10 people on the street that I, that entire time I was there. Right? I mean, I, I talked to basically three people in the time I was there. Normally I would talk to hundreds of people in a day. So it was really weird to be, it was like being there on Christmas day, kind of like nobody's around, yeah. right? It was pretty crazy. And, and, and we can go to the grocery stores. I mean, I take the dog for a walk, of course, and I see other people walking their dogs and stuff like that. So, you know, when you're out in the street, you don't really notice that there's nobody around. Of course, there's a lot of kids around because they're all out of school, right? Mm. Um, you know, they're all with their parents or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're necessarily locked down like like you sound to be. Oh, you know? I, I mean, as far as I know, there's only like two places in the U.S. that are as bad as we are here. It's here oh, really? yeah. and uh, Westchester County in New York. Yeah, nothing else is as how many, bad Do you know how many people are infected in Santa Clara or whatever? Um, or is it, is it just San Jose or is it all like the whole Bay Area? It's, it's the, pretty much the whole Bay Area. Seven counties in the, in the Bay Area. So wow. um, yeah, I don't know how many total infections there are, but I think we've had we've had like five deaths just in the county. I mean, it's not as bad as Seattle, but yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Seattle's not more locked down. I mean, it's really weird. Um, and Governor Inslee gave uh, another press conference today. I haven't seen the details, but I do know that people were asking, like, "Hey, are we going to do a shelter in place?" And he's like, "I'm not going to talk about that at the moment. We can talk about what's going on now." And yeah, so we've had oh man, I, the, the numbers get all muddy because we talk about the national level too. So we've had like 50 some deaths as of uh, uh, what day is the 18th of March and I want to say the infections are like a thousand or is that all US? I, I don't even know because it, it seems reasonable for either number. Um, I think we're, we're just we just I mean we started the weekend with around 250 I think we went over 300 by the w- end of the weekend right so and we just had our first death in Ontario and we've had three in British Columbia because but that was an old age old age home that got infected um, and all of the cases are people who have been in contact with people who traveled right so or who come from from other country or they're like infected places right yeah it's weird i mean yeah. and and just now i mean like so you know i think two days ago yesterday they closed the was it yesterday they closed the border uh to in canada like to only canadian citizens and people with permanent resident status can come back to the country and they left the border open like the u.s border but i heard today that they're closing it down to just essential things like supplies and stuff like that right but uh yeah. it was odd that they would leave the canadian american border open right so it looks like there's eight uh, 7,800 total confirmed cases in the U.S., total U.S. But that's still way less than, like, say, Italy or Iran, right? Uh, China has 81,000. Italy has 36,000 almost. Iran has uh, 17,000. Spain and Germany both have, well, Spain is almost 14,000. Germany is 12,000. Uh, I, but I don't know if you saw, like, there was a, a, a really interesting clip on this whole, I mean, I named the episode last week Flattening the Curve. I didn't realize that was going to be, like, the, the term of the week. Um, but there was an interesting uh, uh infographic done by i think washington post published it um showing like these little uh, animations of or i guess like uh, i don't know what you call them but like they're basically like um animations of you know ma- like people represented as dots right and then they, they change color so they're blue to begin with they 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 become red or whatever as they make contact with each other and they spread like a virus and then it's like a like a like a gas distribution chart you know animation and then you know then they eventually get better and then you know because infected people people who've gotten over the disease can't infect other people 
apparently. Um, and so it sh- kind of shows like what happens if you don't protect people, right? Like just let the let the sort of you know all the little dots bump into each other. Just it spreads like wildfire. And they have a they graph it at the same time, and they get that sort of high peak thing. But another animation where they showed like the sort of if it, if they separate out people, they put walls up between them, and, and you know ex- and limit the amount of um, exposure. It's interesting to see the difference in the way in the rate that the things the, the virus spreads and or yeah, virus spreads and um, how much it uh, I will put it where should I put it on the show notes I guess right oh that's podcast the other one Mode the original podcast good. topic ideas <laughs> huh back in the days when we were only one podcast oh yes right I see is that what the name of the document is yeah pod, podcast oh yeah sorry it doesn't even say uh, MTJC yeah, why so would it? Out, there, there were no other podcasts that anybody was on so that's true you're talking about the podcast you clearly only met this one yeah that's true oh washington post here it is and you check check out the animations as they run they're kind of cool so they show the the first graph is just like a little linear line where they they show people bumping each other but then they've got these you know uh distribution charts i guess i don't know what do you call this kind of animation i don't know but i see a whole bunch of dots moving around bouncing around and changing colors yeah if you scroll down the one that says just below the linear one that's this is just where it says our, our town our simulation is small size of Whittier, Whittier, alaska that's the first one right and they all just you know Im- immediately get infected right oh yeah it's kind of get a better. percolation chart yeah and then if you look at the second one down they've got like a wall between the infected and the uninfected and slowly a few people get out and yeah right, kind of cool how it just happens over time and then eventually they all get sick and, the, and it shows the, the the charts the bell curvy charts that we were talking about last week or gaussian i think you call it the gaussian chart right mark gauss gaussian gaussian yeah and then if you scroll down to like if actually if, i guess the official german pronunciation is like gauss or gauss or something like that i don't know gaussian, gauss yeah. it's not actually gauss but we call it gauss yeah and if you the, the third one down i'm not sure what the difference is they're not people are not moving Social distancing. So people are staying put, and then some folks are sort of migrating around. Yeah. And then down the very bottom, sort of like the fourth simulation is... Uh, One out of every eight people to move instead of a quarter. Yeah. They're restricting, have more heavily restricting movement. Yeah. See, once they become purple, they're not infectious anymore. But when they're brown, they're they're infectious. That's kind of cool, eh? Yep. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. And then it shows the, the free-for-all chart, which is some of what we're talking about. And then the most uh, moderate distancing and then extensive distancing is even flatter. So right. I think the best we can attempt is moderate distancing yeah. in reality, which is pretty much what we're doing. Well, I mean, the other reason why I drove the car down to the office, you know, like notwithstanding the, the cost of parking, was that I didn't have to go on the streetcar and, and be exposed mm. to potentially more people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that way I knew I could get in and get out, you know, and wash my hands constantly, you know, for all that's worth. All right. So I guess, do we have any Ask MTJC, honey? We do. And it's yours. Oh, wait, me again? You think I didn't? You think I'd look at my own posts? Oh, yes. <laughs> I just got fooled by my, I updated my avatar today, too. Um, so yeah, real time follow up. Um, we were talking the last couple of weeks about the noise that you get off a uh, off of a Touch Bar Mac. Like some, like I said, some people seem to be really noisy, clacky typing. Um, the person I was talking about at, at the office the other day, I asked asked them what they were using, and it was a 2018 um, Mac. So kind of weird that that was kind of loud because it actually has a little extra rubber membrane. I think because of the because of the problems with the butterfly keyboards. Right? But I was working on a 2016 MacBook. Uh, Pro 15, and it was particularly clacky. I found so so compared to the one I work on every single day, which doesn't seem to be as noisy. So weird, eh? Anyway, that's my follow up, and I posted it with Ask MTJC. No comments. Okay, it's it's very loose here. You know, sometimes I put things in follow up because I feel like they should go there, and sometimes I put things in the main show. It just really yeah. just depends. Yeah, guidelines, not not rigid rules. All right. So speaking of uh, follow up. 
Um, Jaime, you've got something for us. Yeah. Um, we were talking about some of the economic impacts. As, as we record this, we're still in very much the heart of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And uh, Apple um, is at least one of the folks out there that's saying, hey, you know, Apple Card customers, you can skip your March payment without interest. Nice. And uh, if you join their, what do they call it? Customer assistance program, you can you know, partake in that. Yeah, it's a number of, number of um, I mean, our government's come up with funding and, you know, getting helping people get back to the country and that kind of stuff, right? But uh, yeah, it's always dodgy when, when these kind of things happen, right? So um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that a lot of people aren't trying to, I mean, we've had people who are trying to profit from this whole situation. I think everybody knows about the, the couple at Costco from last week, right? Um, the 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer? Is that the one? Yeah, those yeah. those dudes who were who yeah. decided, ah, it's time, it's a business, so I'm a capitalist, I'm trying to make money, you know? Yeah, um, yeah they were, you know, they, I think they had their Facebook account blocked and their Amazon account blocked. And I heard the other day that, that they had donated the hand sanitizer since, you know, I guess their, their business has fallen through. But apparently they made like $100,000 in a week selling, like, marking up and selling the hand sanitizer. I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. But Well, they were they were charging like what, like $50, $60 a bottle for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And of course, all the toilet paper has gone around the around here anyway. I don't know about you guys. But yeah. Same here. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and uh, <laughs> Home Depot was uh, had special had specials on uh, you know home B days that you could attach to your to your <laughs> existing toilet and they were all sold out right just just FYI right <laughs> so that was sort of funny yeah uh, my my cousin over in uh, in Houston Texas uh, decided to buy uh, the Hello Tushy or HelloTushy.com I'm not sure what the product name is bidet and I'm awaiting his you know personal review because I think we have very similar sentiments on this sort of thing so. Wow. Uh, if it goes well, I might be saying, and today's episode is brought to you by HelloTushy.com. <laughs> HelloTushy. <laughs> Save 10% with coupon code MTJC. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I saw a cartoon of somebody uh, drawing themselves with a hand dryer the other day. Um, uh, what's next, Tommy? Oh, this is big news. Big news. Yeah, it's, so this is one of those ones I'm like, this qualifies as follow-up. Why not? You know, it could be very main show sort of news, uh, just given the, the, the gravitas uh, that I'm going to present this with but last time we were talking about well you know we still don't know what's going on with wwdc it kind of seems since san jose is like guess what you can't have at the time you know gatherings of a thousand people or more and wwdc is about five times that if you went with just pure attendees right and uh lo and behold since the last time we recorded we have uh, gotten news from apple that sometime in june and we don't have a specific date as of this recording wwdc 2020 kicks off in june with an all-new online form Format. They gave us the official yeah. news, and we've got the uh, the Apple.com newsroom link for those of you driving it home. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Like, um, I think it was the the Tonight Show or something had, um, or Colbert Show had uh, recorded without a studio audience. I think one of you guys mentioned that. And I, I watched it the other day, and they had the staff sitting in the in the stands, you know, cheering and clapping and whatever, um, like I guess the writers and whatever. Um, but uh, and, and I just watched. I don't know if you watched the PlayStation Five um, announcement. I think it came out like yesterday or this morning. Um, and they've got like the CEO of, of whatever talking and it sounds like it's in a recording studio. It sounds like there's nobody there. And every time that they, they sort of pan back to show the audience, it's like cardboard cutouts. It's almost like mystery science 2000 or 3000 where these, cause you know, it's clearly meant to look like there's people in the audience, but they're, you know, the same, it's the same people in every single shot that they pan back to. Right. And they haven't moved. 
So it's kind of kind of funny. But I hope hopefully Apple doesn't do that because what's going to be missing from the Apple thing is going to be the oohs and ahs that we get every every year, right? As Tim Cook announces things. Yeah, I I wonder if they'll end up leaning into it and just having like a laugh track sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but like a '70s style one, like like you were listening to Three's Company or something to give a little you know levity to the situation. Yeah, and they always laugh at the weirdest things, like I guess the stuff you're supposed to laugh at. You know, um, yeah. But I think that's why they went to the recording with live audiences because they get the live audience reaction, right? So yeah, yeah. And, and it does make me wonder, and I'm certainly not the only one, but people are wondering, like, oh, are they going to change the format at all? You know, normally we have the keynote in the morning, uh, morning Pacific time, and then you know, mid afternoon, I think it is for the platform State of the Union. Is there a real strong reason to have those separated by that much time? Does WWDC go a full week? I mean, part of the week is repetitions of the previous, you know, content that you might have missed out. Like, how can you miss out on the content? It's there. <laughs> you saw it online live, or if you didn't, by the time Friday comes along, it's clearly available as a video. You're not missing anything. You know, it's- yeah, I'm pretty sure last year there was not a lot of repeats. I mean, I know what you mean. Like in years gone by, there's, you know, usually Thursday and Fridays are repeats of, of previous talks. Like, yeah, but it, but it, the last couple of years, it hasn't been that way so much. Yeah, it's been packed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and if, you, if you think about it, there's now at least four different OSs, right, <clears throat> that, that they're right, supporting. true, true. So there's yeah. lots of stuff to talk about. Whereas before, you know, if you went back to say 2014 or something like that, or earlier even, uh, it was, it was just, there was iOS, there was macOS and that's it, you know, and, and, and there was lots and lots of talks, you know, lots and lots of talks about UI kit, right? Let's say, whereas now there'll be maybe one talk about, you know, what's new in collection views or something like that. And that's all you get. Well, this year it was Swift UI and combined. Well, sure. Yeah. The, yeah. I think. So wait, so you said four OSs. So did we now not have anything that touched on Objective-C in the last couple of years? Like four, uh, four languages, I guess. I mean, or I guess two languages, four OSs, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, by o- OSs, I meant iOS, macOS, WatchKit. No, I know, watch I know what you meant, but I was, think, and I was thinking about Objective-C, but I guess it's not an operating system. Yeah. Itself, I Technically, that, I guess but. there's five if we include iPad OS now. Well, that's what I thought you meant. So you were saying Mac OS, Mac OS, iOS, iOS Watch OS, oh, watch and TV, TV oh, OS, right, yeah, yeah. and iPad OS. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about iPod, iPad OS in a few minutes, but yeah, there's definitely, uh, definitely, it's, it's starting to spread its wings, as it were, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't think it will expand beyond a week. That's something that people have wondered. I think, if anything, this would give Apple engineers even more time to hypothetically to you know polish up releases for September because um, they won't have to um, you know disrupt their lives quite as much yeah. or you know being in person being at a very particular place at a very particular time um, I'm kind of hoping that a lot of these videos are actually going to be pre-recorded oh yeah um, I, ex- I expect yeah, well, I, yeah. I think from my guess and I don't know anything but my guess is that from a looking at the schedule of talks it, it won't be any different than what you, we've had in past years we'll still have the same keynotes right. we'll still have the same sessions still but they but i think they will be slicker because they'll all be pre-recorded uh and they'll be available immediately uh maybe they'll maybe they'll be immediately timed for when they were supposed to actually be if, if they i don't know well, maybe they'll take the netflix approach and put everything out at once i, I don't know i yeah, don't know I about that, say, that binge, binge through wwc yeah, yeah that i don't know yeah yeah that's a good question actually will they will they actually have a, a schedule for the talks or will it just be here's all the talks that i don't know yeah. the thing that mm. that'll be missing of course is the labs that's the huge one so well and also and also the audience reaction because a lot of times when when somebody's introducing a new technology and 
they talk about something and somebody in the audience goes, yeah, and, you know, like that kind of like changes the, yeah, but the pacing. Tim, you're you know? kind of a fanboy, so, you know. <laughs> no, I, I've never, I would never do that. But but the other thing, too, is I've noticed over the years of going to WWDC is, is you know, and this is not a knock against the presenters at all, but sometimes people look like they're standing at the gate of hell giving the talk for their life, you know, like their life depends on this talk. And other times it's so polished and precise, you know, like the, the, it's almost like auto, an automaton giving giving a talk. But and and you know that they do practice these things, you know, oh, sure. clearly before they get up there, right? So I think that that from that polished point of view, this may change the whole tone of WWDC going forward. Like you may it may become they may find that this is just the way to do it because they can serve to so many more people rather than having a yeah. in, in, in and they are but like, they are depending on the WWDC videos to be their documentation yeah. more and more, right? That's true. They, that's true. they save a lot of uh, documentation writing costs apparently. True. Yeah, but the lab. But you're right. The, the for me the, the the reason to go to WWC or any conference anyway. I mean, the conference is is it's about the people you meet and the accidental. I mean, I met you at, at a, a trade show. I met right, I met right. 360 iDev. You know, how else would I have ever met you guys? And uh, and I've met like I've got friends that I communicate with on Twitter and stuff like that that I haven't seen since I met them at like you know 2011 WWC or whatever. But in real life, as Greg likes to say, but or IRL. IRL. But um, you know, and the labs. I mean, the you know, like I I met some some amazing engineers at, at the labs who, you know, basically changed my life by showing me one little simple trick, you know, um, you know, that got you out of it, got me out of a big jam in some cases, you know, like, yeah, that that's, it, you don't get that kind of time with, with uh, people, especially from Apple, right? Now, what would be kind of cool is if they, if they say had, you could schedule a Zoom meeting with an Apple engineer oh, to make true. up for yeah, the labs, yeah. that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we talked about this last time, I think, but the, the problem with that is that without the filtering of, of only people with a ticket can get that, then they, the queue to have these meetings would be ridiculously long. Well, they could do a lottery point. for that too. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a yeah. lottery to get in and it's a lottery to book whether you get, because I mean, one thing to get a ticket and get into the conference, you also have to find out when you can go book the time at the lab. Well, that's right? true. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I spent three days going back and forth to the po- the podcast lab to try and find a time when we could do a recording there. Like, and it was ridiculous. We didn't get into like Thursday or something. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's how we ended up doing the man in the street thing. Cause I didn't think I would have time to get into the studio, but anywho, because we're just a little tiny iOS podcast. They don't care about us, right? Just the number one result for iOS development. To this day. To this, this, day. this day. And the, the other thing I'll, I'll address that I've heard other folks talking about is like, oh, um, now that it'll be online, maybe they'll have it at a different time. They can work better for other regions. I'm like... Around the world, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it is literally impossible to do that. Take take one of my old picks of the week, everytimezone.com, and, and start at like the 9 or 10 a.m. time frame Pacific. And just move the slider around and see if you can find a time that works for everywhere hint you can't here's a crazy thought here's a crazy thought suppose they could actually put out the talks in multiple languages now too right given that they have the time i mean like it's one thing that we all like everybody around the world has to learn to program in english because that's the the language the stuff is presented in but people don't i mean a large percentage of the world speaks spanish and a large percent of the world speaks russian and chinese you know this is an opportunity for apple to maybe to maybe put their money where their mouth is and and do like a multilingual um, trade show right that would be a lot of work yeah, well, mm. you know, what are they also going to do when they're locked down in Santa Clara County, right? Uh, fix bugs. <laughs> <laughs> bugs. Apple doesn't have bugs, do they? <laughs> if only, if only they would fix bugs. Yeah. All righty. Anything else we want to say about WWC? Going to be really strange. That's all I got to say. It will be strange. Yeah. But we but live in a strange world now, don't we? Well, exactly. But do you think? Do you think that this conference would recover from that? I mean, this is what it's been going on for years. Current style. Oh yeah. yeah. No, of course. A, any, every corporate sponsored thing 
thing will survive. Something like right. AltConf, uh, who knows? Well, they, they announced today that they're not. They're, oh, sorry. Right, right. But will they be back <laughs> next year? Oh, well, we yeah, we jumped ahead a little bit, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it's that's much more questionable about about whether they'll be back next year. Unfortunately, why don't you, why don't you jump in there now that we spoiled your your, your pick there, honey? Yeah. So AltConf was intending to do satellite stuff uh, around the world in uh, 2020, but unfortunately, they have come to the conclusion that just a ton of conferences have come to. They're like, you know what? It just doesn't make sense of what's going on. And even going online only was not going to work quite for them. So they are canceling. Uh, I think a lot of folks say postponing to 2021. In my mind, that's canceling in 2020, right? Um, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, it's a loss. And, and to right. Mark's point, you know, these things that are not you know, driven uh, specifically by a company or set of companies, it's a little bit more difficult to see the future of what will happen there versus, you know, WWDC, you know, 5,000 people who are fortunate enough to go if you took, you know, the current uh, set of people who want to go to WWC and you cut that in half and you cut that in half and you cut that in half again, I forgot how many halves I got to. I'm pretty sure you still have a lottery. <laughs> yeah, you would yeah, still have yeah, like yeah. 10 times as many people trying to get in yeah. as who want to actually be there, right? So. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if Apple decides that this works really well and they can save a lot of money, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have a whole Apple TV thing now too, right? So they have a way of, of distributing it. True. The, the tech has come along quite a ways where, you know, they can live stream some stuff if they want to. They can have stuff pre-recorded and just instantaneously available when they, you know, flip the magic button uh, sort of thing. But uh, I, I do yeah. think that a lot of conferences after this year around the world will be start wondering, hmm, does it even make sense to do the in-person part? Was it was it worth the hassle? Was it worth other things? And, and no doubt that there will be many conferences say, no, actually, like getting people together in the in-person networking is really hard to replicate in an online fashion. And we still need it. And others will say, you know what? This actually could have just been a whole bunch of press releases or our own. Come watch our YouTube channel or, or come see us on Twitch live stream and we would work just as well. Yeah, I, I think conferences in general will be more impacted by the economy than specifically the, the travel restrictions because of the virus. Now, of course, it's an it's an indirect really, uh, reaction to the to the virus. But, but if the economy has a sustained downturn, then a lot of these, especially the little conferences, will, will just not be viable uh, because the, one of the first things that companies do when things turn bad is cut off travel and, and you know not essential business travel things like that. So conferences will go away a lot of them, which is unfortunate. I think the whole travel industry is gonna is gonna take it on the nose. Sure. Because, oh yeah. I mean we've been, we've all been cavalier. Ah, oh, just jump on a plane and go to Hawaii, or jump on a plane and go to India, or whatever. Like it's now it's you know or Australia or ten, or New Zealand or whatever. Now I think it's going to be very people are going to be very worried about at least for a generation right yeah you know by the time the who whatever the millennials call their kids once they get out there they may have a different attitude towards it like like we kind of sort of did right so you know when i was a kid you used to hitchhike everywhere right you know like you just you'd bum around and you know you'd go from one city to the other with your thumb out right and we don't do that anymore for reasons but you know um things change over time right yeah yeah this why i can't have any nice things all right yeah so i posted this here this uh this is a sort of the stuff that's been rumored to be coming out of ios 14 one of them is and we 
saw this today. I mean, like I said, it's kind of I kind of got scooped by today's news, right? Um, that um, they were guessing that uh, people had looked at what's inside iOS 14 and predict whether Apple would have a, a new 3D uh, camera in in the uh, iPhone 12 Pro. But I think the iPad that they announced today has this lidar feature, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, this was just a rumor, so it's it's hard to say whether the rumor was just off a little bit and it was really about the lidar. Uh, lidar is yeah. for people who don't know, it's a it's a laser based technology for for doing times of time of flight kind of measurements. You know, it send, sends a little laser beam and and by what's uh, reflected and the angle that it's reflected in and the interference patterns and all that, uh, you can tell what's around you and the distances away from things. Right, right. That you are. Uh, so yeah, so it's unclear what because this article was saying the rumor was that this was, would be in the iPhone 12 Pro. So it's possible that there will, will be something in the iPhone 12 Pro and the LiDAR is something else that's for the iPad case. Or it's possible they just got the rumor wrong and it really was the LiDAR thing and they just, you know, got it slightly, they were slightly off. Who knows? Well, it's also, all, I mean, the LiDAR thing also gives them the ability to, to scan a room and figure out what's what's in the room. And then, yeah, you know, so in the, yeah. in the demo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, you can have the augmented reality experiences because you now know what's in the room, right? Right, yep. Or at least like the program would know. So LiDAR is a technology that a lot of self-driving cars and things like that right. use to find uh, objects in the world around it. Interesting. There's a reflection in the picture that's in this article. The picture was taken with an iPhone, uh, I guess it's a tw- or like an 11, <laughs> taking a picture of a pro. As you can see the reflection of the picture in there. Anywho, um, it's kind of like the picture that Neil Armstrong took of Buzz Aldrin, where it's the only picture we have of Neil Armstrong on the moon because he's reflected in Buzz, Aldr- Buzz Aldrin's shield. Anyway, um, you're up, Jaime. Yeah, this is follow-up to us talking about GitHub being available on test flight and mm-hmm. uh, beta channels on Google Play. But now it's actually officially available. You can get it on Google Play. You can get it on the App Store and have the actual completed version. So you can access, you know, all sorts. Of, to be very clear, I think we said it the last time, it's not a Git client. This is all about you using GitHub for your organization. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the inbox of notifications for things that you need to take care of. You can view pull requests. You can view your repositories, do other things, but you're not going to be like writing and committing code. It's more likely uh, submitting an issue or taking a look at a pull request and saying, hey, I actually think that there's something wrong here while you're on the go. This is sort of a Jira um, Bello kind of replacement? Not quite, since it, it's really more about the um, the meta stuff in GitHub, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. stuff around the code, but isn't really the code itself. Right. So it's not like mm-hmm. you're, you know, like uh, history and other bits. And, and, and again, like being able to like create stuff, it's more about like, uh, here's a perfect scenario. So if I'm out and about at lunch and I was really waiting for, you know, the final uh, approval to come in on my you know, uh, pull request for code review, I might be able to see it and say, oh, great, cool. Now I can actually have that code merged. And then presumably by the time I finish my sandwich, everything will be loaded and ready to test. Or or right. even better, that, that two line pull request that you need someone to approve just because that's the process and they're off at a two-hour lunch and you have to wait for them to do to approve this two-hour two-line uh, pr well now at the start of their two-hour lunch they can get on their phone and just approve it even better right, <laughs> right. It's, it's a win-win for yeah. all involved yeah all right that's cool Alrighty. righty we'll move on to our main so i don't know how i did this but i managed to scoop jaime lopez jr today on two stories um three actually i guess but um yeah and i'm torn now because i was in the market for i figured looking at last year um, MacBook Pro at 13 versus the, the the newly introduced MacBook Air. Um, the footprint is the same. Yes, the MacBook 
here has touch ID, but it doesn't, it didn't have enough storage for me. I wanted to get at least one terabyte drive in it. So I was like going, okay, well, I'm going to probably get a, a, a MacBook Pro 13. And, uh, cause it didn't seem to be like, I could get the, the, the RAM I wanted. And I could get the, I also can get the ports. I can get four ports on that one. But now, yeah, Apple's introduced a brand new MacBook Air today. Surprise, surprise with the new keyboard, which is another reason why to look at this guy. Cause we were, we were thinking that they were going to come up with, with a 14 inch uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, surprise, surprise. They didn't, they came out with a MacBook Air, um, bigger touchpad area. Um, it's available up to 16 gigabytes. You can get it with four core, uh, i7 processors. If you want, you can put in up to two gigabytes of, of data in it, uh, of SSD drive in it. But, uh, but again, it's only got two uh, USB ports, which makes me kind of nervous. Another reason to get Apple care on it. But yeah, that sounds to me like I'm, I'm, I love the MacBook Air. I've had, I've had the very first MacBook Air. I've gone through every generation of MacBook Airs. Um, it's my favorite, you no know, form factor for Apple computers. And, uh, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm torn now. Whether I wait for a next MacBook Pro or I buy this one. Yeah, it looks pretty good, eh? What do you guys think? They all look good. If you need one, buy one. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they're only going to get better in the future. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, but it, like the keyboard is definitely, uh, definitely an improvement. I mean, you know, I currently use uh, the Butterfly Switch keyboard at work and I don't know. I've, you know, I don't have an issue with it. I don't hate it. You know, it's fine. I'm not a big fan of the USB-C transition thing. I'm still, you know, suffering through that. But, um, and, and, and you know, I've had issues with USBs over time, USB-C ports over time, because we plug in and plug all day long in our environment. And I've had I've noticed issues with it, right? But uh, not as sturdy as like a Display Port or a Mini Mini Display Port, right? Or a Thunderbolt Port. Um, what do you guys think? What, what would you would you buy one of these guys? Would you think about it? Well, I've never bought an Air because I, I always do the Pros. But you know, for the price point, it's pretty good. I mean, it depends what you're going to use it for. I kind of wonder though. I mean, if if you're not using it as a development machine, if you're just using the computer for email or browsing or whatever, why not just? Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm burying the lead again here, but uh, yeah, why yeah, not just uh, get a brand new? What's next on the list? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can jump to that. Sure, yeah. you can. You can, yeah. you can do the I, unveil. I think before we do though, like my opinion on this, and I think I threw this in our in our Slack channel. Um, I personally have always gone with the pros, especially as they've gotten so much lighter. Like, just just dig out some older ones from when you started doing like iOS development and marvel at how tiny the pro is even the the newest one that's the largest and with that said that's because i don't find the you know any particular downsides to the weight and size but i think if you're optimizing for portability then i mean really the the two usb ports shouldn't be that big of a deal because if you were carrying a whole bunch of extra gear with you it's kind of less portable by default what are you really saving so i think if you're you know really mobile and constantly on the move and uh, you know you're willing to give that up uh, as a trade-off I, I think it's quite worth it to get this and then likewise i think it's quite sensible to get the pros if you're like dude it could be as heavy as a tank it's mostly on my desk what do i care you know um and it just i don't think that there's a real you know strong answer for for anybody and i i think folks who are kind of in the middle like that's probably the toughest choice right i mean the thing about it is the difference is that like like i said the physical the actual footprint if you look at the, the amount of desk space it takes up and the actual weight of the the macbook pro 13 versus the macbook air they're not that much different in terms of in terms of uh in terms of physical size right i mean the immediately the air is slightly lighter but not by much right they both have the you know the high res screens now they both have touch id right the macbook pro 13 has touch bar which is another consideration um you can get the macbook pro with four usb ports on it and um the ram the ram and hard drive or the ssd drive 
capacities are pretty much the same too, right? In fact, when I priced out the uh, the MacBook Air with the options that I wanted, you know, the four the i sevens, the four core i sevens, the um, the uh, the one terabyte SSD, or even if I went to two terabyte SSD and and the uh, sixteen gigs of RAM, it came out in terms of price like a few hundred dollars less than this equivalent configured uh, MacBook Pro thirteen. So it's kind of a toss up. I mean, yeah, if you're looking for a low cost entry level, you know, use it on an airplane kind of um, computer, then MacBook Air makes sense. But that said, what Mark was leading to makes even more sense if you're not doing Xcode on it, right? Or or Final Cut or you know Logic, you know. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I'm torn. I mean, to, for me, the difference is the newer the newer improved keyboard on the new MacBook Air versus you know um, the current state of affair with uh, with the keyboard on the 13, right? So like I, I was just the other day, I was in uh, one of our neighborhood stores looking at the two of them, and yeah, they're 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 practically identical, other than one's wafer thin, right? Well, they're going to have a, a new keyboard on a small MacBook Pro within six months. So yeah, back so to that wait. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I, I've, I've ordered one of those uh, from a Kickstarter. I've ordered um, the invisible uh, dock, which sits underneath and has four ports on the side, and they kind of clip into the thing, so you can have like your desktop configuration, and you can pull it out and you know mm. go go nomad, nomad, right? But I ordered it with the four ports, right? So now I'm like, oh, what do I do? Um, I've been trying to get ready for for a USB C device, you know, trying to find ways to use my monitor and all that kind of stuff that I currently have, and and you know, charging and that kind of stuff using the old chargers as well. There's there's all kinds of adapters you can get on Amazon to make them work, right? The MagSafe connectors. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's I, I'm like I said, I'm a big fan of the MacBook Air, but you know, I I, I don't see much difference between it and, and a MacBook Pro 13, to be honest with you. Other than the things I said, lack of Touch Bar, four ports, and performance. Right? How, how much slower is it? Yeah, and performance too. I think yeah, I think that. Well, the other thing too is the other uh, other thing that's uh, odd about it is I have a souped up MacBook 13 and I've had issues with heat before, right? Mm. Um, like I fried the SSD drive once because the, the Mac overheated. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. Uh, I mean, mind you, I, it's a 2013 model and it's 2020. and I'm still using it as my day to day computer, right? You know, actually, speaking of that, so my, I also have a 2013 MacBook Pro that I've been using since then and been saying, yeah, I really need to up- upgrade for a long time now, but I just haven't. Uh, today I noticed, so I usually just use it as a, not really as a laptop, it's just sitting closed on my desk, you know, and I use the big monitor, so I don't even really pay attention to it much because I have a, I use the, the uh, wireless uh, trackpad and, and keyboard. Yeah, same here, yeah. Well, I noticed today though that it's it's gotten warped over time. It doesn't sit flat. Really? And, oh, yeah. and looking at the cover, uh, it doesn't close flat anymore. Yeah, there's a battery swell issue with the, with the older Macs too, right? I wonder I don't know if it's about. that. Actually, yeah, because because my my Carol's eleven, her MacBook Pro eleven, I had to loosen the screws on the bottom because the trackpad wouldn't work anymore because the battery got a little swollen. And I've replaced the battery on my MacBook Air too because uh, it get, you know when they added that warning a couple of years ago, it started saying, "Hey, you need to get this battery serviced." Right, so I right. went on Amazon and bought one for a hundred bucks. Right, so there's a good point to interject and say that we lost Mark. Really? Yeah, I heard the little yeah, zoom tone <laughs> and I looked over and saw who I'm was telling that, you. He touched he touched Telebear again, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me just see what this switch does. <laughs> oh, well. 
we'll wait. How he'll, are you? He'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. doing doing all right. You I'm know. talking still. <laughs> doing yeah. all right. It's um, you know, life is mostly not different. Yeah. You know, was working from home for a long time, just like yeah. like you were. So mostly not. Hey, there you go. There, there's Mark. That was pretty weird. So I I was fiddling with the cover of of yeah. this computer that I've said is warped, and yeah, it just I'm knocked pretty... me off the Zoom call somehow. Nice. It didn't. Did your the Yeah, I was going to ask. Did you did you flicker at any? Like did the screen it, go dim? Like you you accidentally bent the the screen did go dim. Well, the screen actually went out on my monitor, but I don't think it would have rebooted that fast because as soon I just opened the cover of the laptop and then it was back. So that was just kind of weird. It, maybe it was a connector was bad. Or, well, if it was just a connector, it wouldn't have knocked out the watch. Did you have to rejoin the call? I did. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll tell you that on my uh, my 2012 MacBook Pro, I switched the side that I was using to connect my microphone to because the port went bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying about the ports, right? Port went bad. And so I had to switch it to the other one. I was like, oh, well, thankfully I've got this wireless mouse. So I don't need this other port. Yeah. Yeah, well, truth be told, I'm working from home right now, so I have my Touch Bar 15-inch Pro here. And I went to use it with my... my I have the dongle, the Thunderbolt 2 to 3 dongle that I was talking about. It won't support my uh, DisplayPort monitor. I have to get a different different connector for it. Weird. Yeah, yeah when we went into this uh, uh, shelter-in-place mode. First thing I did... Well, when I knew it was happening the next day, first thing I did was I ran down to the Apple store. I had to get one of those uh, USB-C to Thunderbolt display connectors because I knew my work computer is a USB-C and I knew I was going to want to plug it into my big monitor at some point. So I had to go out and... So you have a Thunderbolt display at home, right? I have a Thunderbolt display at home. Yeah. So on my... Yeah, I have the I have the LED display port one, mini display port. Yeah. So one of the nice things about my old laptop is it just plugs right into the Thunderbolt display with the... Yeah, same with as that. Yeah. With the uh, MagSafe and 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 the display mini display port um but yeah with the USB C ones if i as soon as i upgrade i'm going to have to start going through dongle aisle yeah i'm really missing the uh, yeah i think i'm going to have to just go on amazon and buy the thing but uh, uh speaking of which um there is one line in this article that i want to bring up before we move on to the next um thing that apple announced today and that is the line that says you may order a new macbook air starting today apple says the machine will be available in in apple retail stores starting next week although of course most of the stores are shut due to the coronavirus mm. outbreak. So mm. funny that they, they didn't change their marketing message about that, you know, because I mean, aren't most Apple stores closed? Well, I'm sure this was planned months in advance. Oh, right. Yeah. So mm. they probably, okay. they probably actually have some of the supply already at the stores, I would think. Oh, true. Yeah. 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 So if the store happens to be open, then sure. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but you know, Apple's all, you can always buy anything and have it delivered. I guess that's planned, right? Yeah. All right. Which brings us to the next thing. Well, I guess it's like my reveal. So it's me again. So the other thing that Apple announced today, which was the big surprise, was a brand new iPad Pro, uh, 11 and 12 inch models, I assume, and this fancy new keyboard, uh, Magic Keyboard. And uh, what's what's interesting about the Magic Keyboard, first of all, is it kind of floats, so you can uh, the angle adjusts differently. It has a USB port on the side of the keyboard, so you can charge your your uh, USB C port, I should say. You can charge your uh, your iPad Pro as well. Um, I did th- I heard that it's also compatible with last year's iPads as well. But, but what's cool about this is it has has a trackpad and it also and and iOS 13.4 is it 13.4 that are next OS iPad OS 13.4 iPad OS right. 13.4 adds support for trackpad and mouse which is kind of interesting because when I heard they were adding trackpad to the iPad I'm thinking that's kind of weird because the one thing I'll say about that is I do have a keyboard and, and I'm a MacBook Pro and of course I have a pencil but what I find is kind of broken about the experience is you'll be typing away but whenever you want to do anything on the screen you have to reach up with your hand and move you know click on something. Yeah, yep. which you know Steve Jobs used to say 
say your hand will get tired if you did that. But um, but it is kind of a, it does feel like a broken experience doing that. So now that we'll have the trackpad and be able to click on things, and I guess adding more mouse support means they're going to have mouse down and mouse up commands coming to iPad OS. Do you think? I didn't look, but I would guess that there would be other events that you can handle that you can you can opt into and say, oh yes, I do support touchpad. I do support mouse because um, it's it's more than just like basic mouse. I guess this sort of gets into the the other very slim article about adding full mouse and trackpad support. It's it's not just like cursor. It's kind of like a mouse cursor, but with the focus engine from TVOS, where the, oh, yeah. the focus sort of switches. So, you know, you might have a like a little like you know, finger dot pointer, and then you hover over like Tuesday in your calendar, and it takes over mm-hmm. like, all right, that's what the touch target would have been for Tuesday, and it expands out. It's a really kind of slick animation. You know, uh, granted, you can't see it on this very show, but uh, I would suggest, you know, pulling off on the side of the road or, or, or taking a little <laughs> break and, and, and just switching over to like YouTube or something, find some videos. It's really cool stuff. Uh, and, mm. and one thing they, they really can't do is have both types of gestures available, uh, both, you know, touch style and mouse style, uh, both available at the same time, because that would break the entire mm. project catalyst strategy, right? Uh, because oh. once you once you have an app that depends on two different types of interactions at the same time, potentially, then how do you map that from iPad to Mac and back and forth? You can't. I don't think I'm getting what you're saying. So let me give a scenario and see if it matches what you're saying, just to be clear. So yeah. having multi-touch, like using your left hand and then using your right hand to manipulate something with the mouse pointer at the same time. Right, right. So if, so okay, of course, it. of course, they can't turn off all the existing multi-touch stuff. It has to still be done on the iPad. So, but I'm saying, yeah, they can't add in addition mouse style gestures to support this case because it would break that interoperability. Yeah, I, I could see how that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. And and this one I had kind of wondered with the the fancy pants keyboard. Like uh, one, you know, how heavy is this keyboard, this magic keyboard, to hold it in place? Yeah. Like, can you can you use the multi touch on the the iPad without tipping the whole thing over? Like, did they take mm. the the new Tron star material from those old yeah. Mac pros and shove it into this. It is a good question. Is, is this meant to be, is this meant to be a dock or is it meant to be a portable keyboard for the iPad? That's a good question. Yeah. Can you sit it on your lap too, right? It doesn't have weight to it to, to sort of yeah. keep the cantilever going, right? I mean, yeah. that may be why they decided to put the hinge where they did as opposed to on the, on the very, you know, apex, right? Because like I have, I have a, a Logitech keyboard that has, you know, it kind of sits at one angle, which is really annoying because it's never the angle I wanted at, right? Whereas this one says it adjusts to 130, 130 degrees, so uh, presumably it's got enough, you know, uh, mechanism in, or tension in the spring to be able to, so you can turn it and it will stay in that position, right? Like like the big, you know, big monitors do, right? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I saw it from 90 to 130, and so it, it really yeah. becomes the the iMac G4 equivalent yeah. sort of yeah. feel is what I imagine it'll be like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The more I look at this, I'm looking more closely at the pictures now, and to me, this really looks like it's a dock. It's meant to sit on your desktop. And mm-hmm. when you want to mm-hmm. be out and about with your iPad, you pull it out and leave with it and you leave this thing on your desk. It's it's definitely not like, it's not a replacement for these cases with the keyboard in it. That no, you, that exactly. You I mean, that, that's, you know. Yeah, that's my, my problem with the cases too is, is once you clamp your computer, your sorry, your computer, once you clamp your iPad into the case, it's kind of stuck there until you unclamp it. You know, it's not, right. this like this is held on magnetically. So you just, in, in well, let's talk about this, this amazing commercial that they've got here called How to Correctly Use a Computer and it's tongue 
Samsung firmly planted in cheek showing how to use an iPad and they're talking about it's not a toy and that people are playing games with it and you know treat it with respect and there's like an artist dropping it into her bag and um, you know and then somebody you know using it at a desk and then just grabbing the iPad and pulling away from the keyboard leaving the keyboard on the desk but you know carrying on with the, the iPad using the pencil for whatever reason so it kind of gives you the flexibility like like Mark and I both talked about having we both have the, the, the monitors where we're using the display port connection on the side of our Mac we can unplug and become portable in a matter of seconds right um, same sort of idea but it's like less than unplugging kind of thing right mm-hmm. yeah but I, I don't know that it's quite like a dock because I thought that they showed it closing completely closed yes oh yeah 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 now, yeah. now granted oh. I think it suffers presumably suffers none of us has tried this I assume it suffers from the same thing that the Surface Pro from Microsoft suffers from in that you can't adequately well, use it, sucks. it on your lap yeah right 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 like it's I think it's more you know fold it up so you can carry it around like like a like a notebook and then mm-hmm. you know plop it on to uh, to a desk and you know a nice flat surface and then you can you know very easily disengage it the ipad and and you know say oh i want to curl up on my couch or something and use the apple pencil and and, and sort of everything in between except i don't think that it will fit into the actual like laptop name of laptop where you would adequately use it on your your lap again unless it's extraordinarily heavy and doesn't flip over on your your your, your meaty thighs yeah that's interesting because like the logitech keyboard that i have i can flip it over like i can flip it over on itself so i can have it i can have the the tablet cell facing up and have everything sort of folded underneath right um so i can flip it around and use it as a tablet and then i can flip it back and use it like a like a mini laptop and then close it so it clamshells closed right um this has a this what i like about this keyboard compared to the previous keyboards is when it closes up it's pretty much it's like a flat closed thing and the, the amount of space that the hinge takes up is the is the thickness of the ipad so in if you watch the video that i'm talking about um they do show it closing up at the very end there um it, it so actually that starts close too at the very beginning it's oh does it yeah okay it, yeah. yeah so it's kind of it's kind of like a cl- it's kind of designed to fit around the the thickness of the ipad as well of course it adds thickness to the ipad but yeah. and also i just noticed too in reading this it also has the new scissor switch uh keyboard as well right so another reason yeah um scissor switch this. backlit keyboard yeah so it's pretty cool we haven't even talked about the ipad right i mean this ipad is the new has a a12 chip are we at the a12 chip i can't remember this isn't on a new one but it's an a12z Z chip or A12Z chip? As you Z, because it was you know, designed by Apple in California. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was manufactured in China. How do they say Z in China? Um, Not like Canadians, I would guess. Yeah, they for sure yeah. don't say Z. <laughs> that, you know, that's an unclosing border. I've had it with you guys. Yeah. In Hong Kong, they might say Z. Formerly a British colony. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Eight-core CPU, yeah. eight-core GPU alongside Apple's neural engine. So you get 10 hours, I'm doing air quotes, 10 hours of, of battery life and it's uh, the L- an LTE that's up to 60% faster. Wait, it's not, it's not, um, what's a new one called? Um, 5G? 5G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 5G's so, yeah. not ready yet. Yeah, that's true. We released March 24th. What? That's a whole week from now. I want it today. Yeah, so pretty cool. Looking uh, pretty cool. And plus it's got LiDAR, which we haven't talked about. We yeah, the, talk about the yeah. very quick sort of demo that they show in, in one of these two videos, possibly both, seems really cool. I mean, there's the aspect of like how much more accurate it will be when it comes to handling AR. And I think they, in one of the commercials, it shows them like, oh, like here's the pretty typical, I'm shopping at Ikea and what will that couch? 
couch look like in my room and being able to more accurately figure out where things are, especially for occlusion. So you can figure out, you know, where would the coffee table clip, you know, the, the couch since the coffee table is in between me and the, the placement of the couch. But they show, you know, the, uh, I don't know if this is some view that you can get or if this is um, more of a, a artist interpretation of the visualization, but seeing what the LiDAR camera sees excites me a whole lot because I'm like, wow, I can't wait to see what that SDK looks like and how much sort of data we can get out of this stuff and map more things with this powerful new sensor. I do wonder if the, if LiDAR will show up in the in the iPhone 12 or is this going to be just an iPad only thing? Is it Does the thing take up so much space that they can't put it in the, in the iPhone? Yeah, it depends on the teardown because when you, when you look at the back, it kind of looks like they shoved it into the same square um, back. So instead, I don't think it has the telephoto lens. I think it has the two other lenses that the Pro would have and, and then replaces that placement with the LiDAR sensor. But I don't know if that's yeah. accurate. So assuming it does, and, and I know I'm getting a little bit off uh, track here, but but this is actually an interesting thing. I, I think this may be the first time. Well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say this is the first time that they introduced a brand new feature on the iPad before the iPhone, but they did that with the pencil, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. but I think your statement might still be true and we need to analyze it. And introducing something new on iPad that crosses back over to iPhone. Right, that's true. Because pencil, pencil to this date has never not, has. right? Yeah, that's true. Right. And, and also trackpad and mouse support, right? Because again, this is where iPad OS separates itself from I- iOS, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, let's be silly here. Uh, why <laughs> can't I, you know, like get one of those, um, you know, goggle type things? So thinking of like the Oculus Rift or other VR mechanisms uh, where you just sort of, you know, get this little eye visor thing. Why can't I clip my iPhone right in front of my face and then use, you know, mouse and keyboard support to have this like 56 inch screen monitor effectively in front of my face? Mm. Now, how much would you pay for <laughs> for, for this, uh, this support coming over? So here's a description of the Pro cameras. It's a 12 megapixel wide camera capturing stunning 4K video and also a 10 megapixel ultra wide. So it is ultra wide. No, no telephoto, like you said, Jaime. Um, yeah. And then the LiDAR thingy. Uh, quality, high studio quality microphones in it as well. Um, breakthrough LiDAR scanner. I'm reading the article that's linked at the bottom of the uh, art- article. Um, trackpad support. Uh, one other thing we were talking about. It also, the display also has um, promotion and uh, where was it? Yeah, so it has, oh, liquid liquid retina display, uh, not OLED. Um, P3, P3 wide color support as well as um, as well as promotion. So, yeah, cool. Uh, oh, and True Tone. Um, and then, of course, it supports the second generation pencil. Um, just a quick thing about the keyboard before we move on to this or come back to this for a second is that it is backwardly compatible with the um, previous iPad Pro models, the third and fourth generation 12.9 inch and the first and second generation 11, which have only been out for two years, right? Um, so not the 2015 one that I've got or 10 inch one that Carol has. Um, it's a very cool device. Um, yeah. I am it very... only ran Xcode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting closer though, to that reality though, right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I feel like within the next, where do I want to say? Within the next two to three years, we will be on this very show complaining about mm. why can't I run Xcode on my iPhone? Because <laughs> it will be that. Because it'll be like, well, they so well on the iPad. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, can I, I strap think, my iPhone right in front of my face, and that's that way I can see everything on my code. I, yeah. I think the the mouse and trackpad support was, or or keyboard and track 
trackpad support was one of the biggest things prohibiting Xcode. It's, we may mm-hmm. see it sooner than later. Well, so here, I was thinking about this today. So remember we had those, those robot-y, I forget what they were called, like Xcode robots or whatever, Xcode bots or something like that. Like, why couldn't you, if you, if, I mean, if you're serious as a developer, why couldn't you buy like a Mac mini or something or like take your, your 2013 MacBook, whatever, um, and run a version of Xcode over there that just did the comp- compiling. So you could actually write the code, compile it r- remotely, wirelessly, and then, you know, have it, have it render the app on your, on your iPad. Like what, cause it, cause that's what's pre- prohibiting us from doing that right now is we can't run separate processes to do all the builds, right? Cause building an Xcode app requires, you know, all the sort of stuff to run on underneath uh, in the background, right? Is that not true? I, I think it's more, I think it's mostly just the, uh, probably the network traffic. You have, there's mm. tons of files that X, Xcode right. generates a lot of files. Yeah. And to, to be pulling those back and forth all the time. Well, would by be... the same token, though, Apple has the chutzpah and the and, and the inclination that they could run. They could figure out how to run. I mean, they're sure they know how to run backward applications on on an iOS device, right, or iPad OS device. So why couldn't they have a compiler that runs in the background, right? Because you you and I both know you can go to the command line and build an app, right? You don't course, have to yeah, have yeah. the GUI to run it, right? Uh, so oh, I, I'm not sure what that would gain you running in the background. What would that gain you? Well, I mean, like like because that's the big thing with with Xcode currently when you do a build and run you're actually running a bunch of background you're run, running a bunch of command line stuff right right behind the scenes right, right? but what would it gain you to do it in the background I don't, I don't understand I'm just saying like because because the the issue about iOS is or iOS in general is that you know you're basically running you have more control over one application at a time with the whole sandboxing and everything like that right like we're limited by that as developers but Apple's not limited by that because they own the OS right and they own the hardware so they could they could make an environment where we could build do build build with Xcode apps, right? Or oh, of course, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hurry up, Apple, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I do actually kind of like the idea of if they're not going to let things run, you know, all these different processes, like you would be able to run on macOS to get Xcode to do what it does. Offloading it to the cloud is not inconceivable, considering that you have stuff like uh, GitHub's Actions that's trying to do sort of like Jenkins in the cloud. Oh, we do. With your source code thing, right? And and I think you were spot on with the Xcode bots thing. It's like, well, what if you extended that technology and it runs on, you know, some hardware that's local to your environment, like a Mac mini, Mm -hmm. or, you know, what if, you know, it did run in the cloud, Apple's or partnership with Microsoft, who does own GitHub and and NPM. I mean, this stuff's not impossible, but but I I think for the normal developer today, it's not quite there. Because if you think about what Jenkins does, yes, you send Mm -hmm. all your code over the network to your Jenkins machine, it does the build. And then if you actually want to run something, you have to pull down yeah, an IPA, IPA yeah. right? And install yeah. it somehow. And yeah, you can do it over, over the network and you can do that. But but imagine how that would impact your your real-time development environment if you had to do that every single time. If you could only, imagine today, if you could only build and run by going through Jenkins. Mm. That, yeah, it, yeah, it the, wouldn't the, work the, today. I, I mean, it's it's possible, uh, but I think we're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah the, the, the cycle time on feedback would get annoying, but I think, and then you know, what, what would a breakpoint be, right? And and all these create all these cool things that we can do now of stop a breakpoint, change a variable, and keep running. All that stuff would be gone, or, or at least severely limited. Like I know that Microsoft has the Visual Studio Code online stuff that's doing a lot of stuff. Now, granted, I don't think that they're doing it for non-web technologies. I'm mm-hmm. not sure uh, what what's going on and sort of building stuff natively. Yeah. But I think if I look at it from a different perspective of right now, if uh, 
um, you know, I'm on a beach in Tahiti and I want to do something and all I've got is my iPad. I have a cycle time of how long does it take me to fly back to the United States <laughs> and get to my, well, my laptop and use that versus, uh, yes, a very slow, but certainly a lot faster than, yeah. than traveling back. So well, it's like now, time. But now there's, there's the other approach that, that is certainly feasible. I'm not actually sure why this hasn't gotten more viability, uh, or more, more traction, uh, is certainly VPN technology is good enough if you have a good enough network that you could, you could have your desktop, not, v, I'm sorry, not VPN, VNC. Uh, so you could actually have a desktop open on the, on the build machine and not be able to tell the difference if you have a fast enough right. network connection. Okay. Now it used, it used to be very tedious and painful because it was so slow, you know, to do something you'd have to, you'd press a key and you'd wait three seconds. Right. Um, but now these days it shouldn't be like that anymore. If you're on a, if you have a, you know, if you're on a fast, uh, fast Wi-Fi or, or even Ethernet, Ethernet, why not? So it seems to me that's a more viable approach. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So just some quick, we haven't talked about pricing or availability, but the 11 inch and a 12.9 inch, they're available in 128, 256, 512, and one terabyte configurations for storage. Um, the 11 starts at 799 US uh, for Wi-Fi model and 949 for um, cellular. Uh, the 12.9 is 999 or 1140, 1149 for uh, cellular. Um, there's educational pricing as well. I'm going to skip over that. Uh, sorry, folks. Um, the Magic Keyboard Pro for iPad Pro is available for 299 for the 11 inch and 349 for the U for the uh, 12.9 inch. Um, there is still we didn't talk about this, but there is a, there's a um, the existing uh, fo- smart folio keyboard has been updated for this guy too, and uh, so 179 and 199 for those. Um, they all work with second generation uh, iPad pencil for iPad Pro, which is one 129. Um, yeah, and uh, available in multiple colors. Countries, languages, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and yeah, here's the best part for the American folks out there. If you're using your Apple Card, you can get an extra 3% off, right? Or yeah, 3% daily cash back when you buy an iPad from Apple with the Apple Card. There you go. For a total of 6%, if you're saying an extra 3? Uh, no, it says just customers get 3% daily cash back. That's what you currently get, right? You oh, get- okay. So so it's just the normal buying from Apple, 3%, yeah, 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 not, yeah. not in for, for additional For 3%. Americans, and the rest of us are on the hook for their extra money. <laughs> oh, you damn Yankees. Hell yeah. You and your tea. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's it. So I guess we'll talk about, you can talk about the, uh, the mini, right? I mean, yeah, this is the, and now how much would you pay <laughs> section of the show? And, uh, it turns out you'll pay exactly the same amount, but you'll get double the storage in the base configuration and in the, right. which is what? seven ninety nine. it says now comes with 256 gigs of storage. Still not enough. 1099 config has 512 gigs. It was that's a very, very Jenkins quiet machine, right? Update. Sorry. That's for your Jenkins machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, that might even be overpowered for a Jenkins machine. <laughs> that's true. Well, you can, yeah. Yeah. So three, three USB-C ports, three or two USB 3.0 ports, HDMI two port headphone and ethernet jack. It's got a headphone jack on it, folks. Yeah. Hmm. The reviewer said that they had trouble with the GPU performance, which may be uh, a bit of a misnomer. But the minis are always been, have always been pretty cool. I, I own two of them currently, so and they're still working to this day. Anywho. All right. And then, yeah, so I, there's a couple of videos here that came along with the thing. I think we mentioned already the um, first one is how to correctly use a computer. Um, tongue for only planted in cheek. Pretty funny video. 
and the other video that came out today, and it's all in Apple's YouTube channel. Uh, your next computer is not a computer, and it's basically a, a promotional piece for the, the the new iPad Pro with the fancy smancy keyboard. Is yeah, cool. So are we there yet? Any comments about those? No, no. I think they were pretty well done. They'd certainly get me hyped, and it does continue in the same vein as I want to say it was last year's "What's a Computer" as yes. they did with the the young lady who was doing right, all sorts right. of cool stuff on her iPad Pro. So speaking of that, because there was a bit of controversy about that last year, and I just want to get your opinion on this. How do you think this stacks up against the Surface Now? This, I'm not super familiar with the Surface Pro's latest editions, but it seems mm-hmm. pretty reasonably comparable to what I recall and, and projecting you know, a year or two later. And I, I think the usage... Uh, so granted, we were very heavily focused on like the developer story, you know, Xcode and other things. It's not there yet for that. And, and certainly spent like... You know, we, do have I, we do have Photoshop now, which we didn't have last year. Yeah. So that's, that, that changes things. And what I remember... Um, gosh, I really don't remember which episode this was that I mentioned uh, in defense of the Surface Pro uh, and, and and sort of tangentially defending, you know, can an iPad Pro be a quote-unquote pro machine? I had some sort of work done on my house. So a contracting professional came over and he had a Surface Pro, you know, folded up like a binder. And then he, you know, unclipped the Surface and we went around the house and I showed him the sort of work that needed to be done. And he was using whatever app he was using to uh, tabulate, you know, everything that, all right, here's what we need here. There's that. Okay. Writing some notes. And then that's while we're walking around the house. And then when it came time to, all right, well, let's calculate out what the estimate is for the job. We sat down at my dining room table and he clipped it back into the keyboard and he was able to use Excel to use some sort of, you know, custom spreadsheet to very quickly come up with, all right, given all these different things, here's what your estimate would be. And then I could sign off on that. Yep. That's cool. Here's the stuff that we want to do sort of work. So it, it was very seamless for that standpoint. And I could see this new iPad Pro and Magic Keyboard touchpad sort of combination working very, very similarly. Hmm. Does the Surface Pro have pen support? Yes, I forget. Actually, I think theirs is called the pen. Okay. Uh, the way that, you know, <laughs> Apple's is called the pencil. I think theirs is the right. Surface Pen, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. All right. And what does it run? It runs an Android or something? Or no, it runs Windows, I guess, right? Yeah, that one runs Windows 10. Um, there's newer stuff that I don't know if has gotten to the Surface Pro, the Windows Windows, Windows 10 S. What do they call the simplified mm. version? I forget what it's called. Right, right. Mm. And then there's the Duo stuff that's coming out for the foldable. Oh, uh, is it Windows Neo and Windows Duo? One one is kind of a more simplified. What if you started, um, you know, Mac app storifying Windows, but it's right. more locked down and more um, sort of predictable, much more akin towards going towards the Chromebook philosophy of I could drop this in the ocean and get a new one and it be up to speed almost immediately and the duo side which is what if phones had you know folding clamshell type screens and that one is the latter one duo is android based i don't recall what's on the neo side it's some variant of windows Hmm. how's the windows phone doing uh it's been dead for years (laughs) (laughs) and windows mobile it's ostensible windows 10 mobile it's ostensible replacement has been dead for a year or two so yeah so how you doing (laughs) that was a sort of a sort of a dig we used to say that to uh our friends from Montreal, when they used to criticize our football teams, and we'd kind of go, oh, yeah, how are the Alouettes doing? But I think the Alouettes are back now. I'm, I'm not sure. Who cares? Anyway, there's a variation on that joke. Um, all right, let's go uh, to our picks then, if we can. Um, so, how many? you have a pick? I do. I can't recall if I'd ever mentioned Swift format before. Um, I think it I sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I felt like that, too. Like, it was familiar. Uh, it's not the same as 
this the Swift Docs tool that I mentioned a few episodes ago. This one is actually um, it's a linter, so I guess it mm. competes yeah. at least for half of its job with Swift Lint. I wasn't terribly interested in it for that perspective because I'm already a pretty reasonably happy user of Swift Lint. Um, but Swift Format, the formatting part of its name, is actually what I was interested in. So hey. it will do something very similar to um, a Golang's Go format or uh, in the JavaScript world, if you have uh, Prettier or ESLint. It can use Clang on Objective-C. Is it similar to that? I don't know. Does Clang actually reformat your code? Clang doesn't format your code, does it? No, we see as a tool on, in, it was an Xcode extension, um, Clang format, I think it was called. It used to, used to oh, like, so standardize our code. It wouldn't get rid of white spaces and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's being, this yeah. kind of thing. Then, yeah. It's similar in concept, so it's not a new concept, but mm-hmm. being able to reformat your code um, based on you know, sort of what your linting rules would be is is pretty neat and it's pretty easy to install i went the um homebrew route to do that and i gave an example which we have the link in the show notes so my uh my now defunct sample code for one of my conference talks the what's my age again conference talk i ran that through the uh the linter and um after sort of ignoring the white space differences it showed some differences in how it felt i should uh arrange that code which i thought was pretty neat like oh all right so putting the the final uh let statement in uh in, in like a if let or guard let where you have a, a bunch of comma sort of right you know let this thing and then use that next piece to unwrap this piece and then use that piece to unwrap this piece it has uh, some different opinions there so i thought that was pretty pretty nifty to see yeah i like the indentation indentation with two spaces <laughs> i'm a i'm a two space guy yeah so you can you can actually output the the current configuration that it's using mm-hmm. tweak that all you want and then use that as the configuration going forward. So I think if you were going to use it yourself or more likely with some sort of teams, you could sort of decide as a team, once and for all, we decide this is what we're using. And we don't, not only do we not even have to discuss this anymore, which you would have gotten that power from the linter, right? Because right. probably yeah. you're running it locally, or at the very least you're running it on your, uh, your Jenkins machine on your poor little Mac mini or, you know, whatever your um, CI, CD sort of uh, automatic building, continuous building system is at the very least it, it's some check on like a pull request or code review the machine is like hey guess what you, you left a trailing comma there or you know you have too much white space between your your parameters this i kind of like because i can actually write it however i want and i can be rather sloppy and not have to remember that it's very specifically two spaces i can put 100 mm-hmm. spaces or no spaces just say cool it compiles now run swift format even you know adding this as a, a target uh, not a target as a uh, as a script within an Xcode build, and it will just automatically change it to be as our team standard. Now, how much would you pay for this free nice. open source yeah, yeah, product? Yeah. 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 Well, some people are using SwiftLint, like you mentioned. So I guess a competitor to that? or For at idea? least the linting part of, oh, we found this thing in your code that violates the, the way you should format. This goes the extra mile of formatting it. And and actually, I don't know, does, does SwiftLint actually do any, does it have an option to format your code? Last time I looked at it, it did not. It made by now, I don't know, but last time didn't. Mm, interesting. All right. Um, my pick's not a new one, but um, I mean, it's new to me because I just found out about it. It just came out on paperback uh, just at Christmas time. It's available on as an audiobook, and it's also available in hardcover. It's a book, Ken Conceda, um, who was uh, a developer who worked for Apple for a number of years, and he was around 
at the time of the early uh, introduction of the iPhone and the iPad, um, worked with Steve Jobs and Scott Forstall and a few other people like that. And uh, interesting story. I'm always fascinated by the stories behind the scenes of what happened at Apple during the time you know Jobs was around and, and a few other people. Um, yeah, so he was at Apple for 15 years, um, and uh, he's ri- he's written this book. Uh, the, the first chapter just made it through that one uh, just yesterday. Actually, was uh, talks about the first time or second time he demoed to Steve Jobs. He was demoing the the keyboard for the new iPad before it was coming out, and uh, you know, sort of how he had he and his boss had come up with two different designs. One is the what we currently know as the iPad screen, where the the keys are almost the same size in landscape mode. They're almost the same size as, as uh, you know the wireless keyboards uh, we have on our or the keyboards that we have on our MacBooks. Another one was another design was to have even more keys, like on the iP- on the iPhone. The iPhone keys were smaller than your finger uh, finger basically, to, so you could you know. Uh, that was sort of a design decision they made, and he talks about how he presented this to Steve Jobs, um, who uh, and who basically said to him, he said, "I've got two designs for you to look at." And Steve looked at them every which way he could, um, wordlessly looking at them, and then he pushed the button to switch between the two different designs. And uh, so he started, so Steve looked at both of the two designs, went back to the first one, and then he turned to, turned to Ken and said, "Which one do you like? Which one do you think we should have?" And it was an interesting point of point of point of view. Like, and this is where I'm hoping this book is going to lead is that um, what he was saying was that what Steve Jobs would do in these kind of meetings is he would uh, pare down the decision down to one choice as opposed to having two choices and then what do you do in notes and what do you do in mail and which keyboard do you use and do you let the the, client, the user ch- choose which keyboard to use which application as opposed to having just one simple choice and, and he was sort of saying the name of the book by the way is called Creative Selection and I said that from the get-go um, but yeah so he was kind of explaining how Apple and through Steve Jobs' guidance would basically simplify down the experience to the lowest common denominator in terms of design and that kind of stuff to not confuse the client. He basically wanted the whole experience of using iOS and the the iPad and by extension the Mac to make it super user-friendly. And that's sort of the, you know, as we all know, that's sort of Apple's, was Apple's operating procedure for many, many years, right? So fascinating book. If you're into sort of the history of Apple and how things got to be, um, this book is kind of interesting because it talks about what we're all dealing with today, which is iOS, and how did they get to decide, or how did they decide what we're working with today in terms of the the GUI and the original GUI and how how look and feel works and keyboards and all that kind of cool stuff. So, um, yeah, recommend this book called Creative Selection by Inside Apple's Design Process During the Golden Age of Steve Jobs is the the subtitle. Check it out. Link in the show notes. (laughs) Available as, uh, you know, Audible audiobook or Amazon Kindle in case you are having trouble getting deliveries. <laughs> That'd be something to consider. Digital media, you know. Man, I managed to get it out of the library for free. That's even better, right? So, but you can't go to the library now. No, but I got audiobook. Oh, the audiobook. Right? Yeah. You can, you can yeah. at our Toronto library. We can get yeah, yeah, get, we can. Um, yeah. Digital the digital Kindles. version, right? Yeah. I probably will buy a copy of it on on from Amazon. I've got it on my wish list, so definitely something to have in the collection. But yeah, cool, got a cool book. So that's it. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So hey, hi, if people want to get in touch with you, wherever they find you, I'm on Twitter is at Dev with a hair lockdown in Seattle. Um, and Mark, if you want to get in touch yeah, with you, you can find me. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't come see me because of the, because of the, the, virus, the yeah. virus, but, uh, but Mark R at smopsoft.com. All right. And if you want to get in touch with me, T I M M I T R A on the Twitcher machine is where you'll find me. And until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the more than just code podcast. 
If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. I bought myself a set of digital drums. I'm not going to play drums because I mean, got, I've got the basses, I've got the guitars, I can, I've got the microphones for recording. I just don't have a drummer handy. And now, yeah, now even even more. I mean, I, I bought this before the whole you know world fell apart. But um, and now I'm just learning some basic drum patterns, right? So I can do my own my own music making. I've been playing guitar mm. some more lately. Have you? I'm playing mm. a drop D on the acoustic. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Did you, did you have you tried out some of that Coburn stuff, or do you, I guess you don't know it that well, right? Oh yeah, I don't know his stuff well enough to actually try to play it yeah yeah he does a lot of, lot of like that um wonder where the lines are that's a drop d drop d tune and oh, okay. yeah, it's very economical in terms of how he uh, he does stuff it's amazing to watch him play like he's you know it sounds really complicated but it's yeah. it's really interesting well, it, it. it is kind of interesting so you know i do a lot of finger picking stuff so yeah when when you're doing that on the acoustic when you're playing in standard tuning i pretty much always gravitate to either like c's and g's or e's right and yeah. stuff based on e's but yep. but as soon as you drop that bass string down to d you go to drop D. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about is on the guitar, there's the, you know, of course you have the six strings and there's a standard way of tuning all the strings. But if you, if you change the tuning of certain strings, you can change kind of the way that you play the guitar. And just by dropping the bass, the, the lowest E string down to a D, then all of a sudden it's very natural to play a lot of things in, in D. And, and so right, you start yeah. playing a lot of open D chords and, and chords that go Lots along with Neil those. Young. Yeah. yeah. That just changes the way you just approach things as soon as you pick up the guitar. Yeah. Sorry, Hammy. <laughs> That's all right. No, it's it's totally fine. Um, you know, for me, I've got uh, stuff on my reading list. Books I already had. Um, the business value of developer relations. Next up will be the design of web APIs, and then that'll be followed by uh, web components in action. So, Got to do something since we, you know, we still can go out. We're not sheltering in place, but might as well just expect that it's coming any day. Yeah, well, there's lots of shows on uh, Netflix to watch too, right? So oh, I've sure, got more shows. Sure. I've got more shows to watch than I can deal with right now. Yeah. Hmm. Podcast for folks to, to listen to. A, uh, TV couch potato though, while you're in shutdown. Shutdown. Yeah, that's not constructive. Yeah, like I said, get a dog. Foster a dog. I heard the, uh, heard today that people are fostering dogs since you're home anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, that can make sense. Well, but when you're stuck inside, having a dog with you is, makes the problem worse. If you're stuck inside, I mean, you can take your dog out for a walk. But, yeah. yeah. Well, you guys don't have a curfew when you're like that, do you? Sort of. Not really, yeah. but sort of. I mean, the idea is that unless you have a specific reason to leave the house, you're supposed to stay inside the house. Really. 
really. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what this is what I'm saying. This is not just you know social dis- distancing. This is this is shelter in place. This is a whole other level. Yeah, I was talking about a friend from New Jersey. He said they have a curfew there. Is is New York heavily hit with uh, this thing? Oh yeah, New York is probably the most heavily one right now. Uh, Westchester County. They had they had uh, New Rochelle. The town was was doing yeah. a shelter in place last week. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. The U.S. Yeah, big government or the military, I should say specifically, the Navy has sent a Navy ship to act as a hospital mm. that they're going to have really? docked wow. off, hmm. the, off the uh, in the harbor, I guess, with New York. Yeah, hmm. yeah, we don't we don't have nearly enough hospital beds in the in the whole country for right. projected damages this can do. Well, we don't either. That's why they're they're you know, we're yeah. also locked down as well, right? So yeah, pretty crazy time. Yeah. I guess the the other bigger news, Mark, that I was curious in getting your your take as the the Brady departure. John oh, Brady yeah. has officially yeah. announced that he's leaving the Patriots after a very long and very illustrious yeah. career. Yeah. Where's he going? Hasn't been officially announced yet, but the consensus is it's probably going to be Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do they have a chance of winning? They've got a chance. They've got, They've got a decent team. Yeah. 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 The interesting thing will be if if this season is somehow impacted and granted it's pretty far away, so hopefully it won't things won't be still going on. But but you know, if this if this thing lasts through the summer, then they're you know, they're training camp gets the NFL's training camp gets impacted and the season might get impacted. So so then uh, Brady might sign on to a really expensive one year deal somewhere and not get not get to play much. It'd be kind of ironic and sad for him. Mm. But well, we'll see. Yeah, what do you think this is going to do to professional sports? I mean, like, is it they're not going to like concerts are all canceled, sports yeah, things sports are all canceled. canceled. Yeah, the NFL yeah. and uh, basically any American style football, the NFL and college football, I think end up with the most impact because they have the fewest amount of games compared to the other major right. sports. Like, I don't want to diminish you know the impact of like hey what if you cut off 30 percent of the season but in baseball when you have 162 games as an example like i know that there's a lot of excitement you know towards the last tail end the march to the playoffs trying to see you would still have a lot of that if you chopped off 30 games 40 games cut it in half you would still have like an nba season's worth of games the nfl you you can't physically play games too close together for too long like the body just breaks down so they would have to eliminate games and it's you know you eliminate 30 percent of the games for the nfl is like well take 16 17 games and and reduce it it's like oh man they're they're hardly playing at all they the winner is whoever wins this week (laughs) and the next week there you go there's your champion yeah i think sports will will certainly rebound from this it's it's not doing any permanent damage to these sports but it'll hurt you know it might it might last a few seasons just having the you know just the missing training for a year for these pro athletes you know might have big impact long term yeah yeah yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, certainly the, the, the fans will always have the asterisk sort of thing, right? Somebody will, will be very happy that their team won the championship and somebody else will be like, gosh darn it, we would have won it had this not happened because look yeah. at what we were doing prior to the, the stoppage or, yeah. you know, we, we missed out on a few games that we were certainly going to win and then we would have had better seating. Yeah. Um, I think the one that I wasn't aware of that, uh, that came up on John Oliver's last week tonight on HBO where he said, for heaven's sakes, Liverpool is about to win. They haven't won in decades. They're 25 points up on Manchester City. Like, it's almost impossible for them to lose. Why not just declare them the champions now? Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that would that would be really frustrating. Hmm. But, you know, Tim, your, your Toronto Raptors are still maintaining their lead in terms of how long yeah, they have been Yeah, we're still champions. the world champions, right? They might be the longest single-season champions ever. <laughs> 
That's happened before, though. Wasn't there like a, a hockey strike or something Jonathan was saying? There, something like that? there was a baseball strike. Yeah, like yeah. a lockout of some sort. Yeah. Mm. yeah Seems like a very 90s season. thing to do. I think it was the 80s, actually. Oh, was it? I'm thinking of the baseball one in the 90s. Maybe it was the 90s. Maybe they were multiples. I'm not yeah. sure. And, and I certainly don't know anything about you know the NHL, what would have happened there. All I can say is for, from the NHL perspective, it's actually really good that this didn't happen the year that Seattle came in as an expansion team. Because um, I think it's pretty critical to not have lost momentum when you're trying to build up a market. Hmm. Well, thank God for time capsule last week, eh? I can't believe it pulled a backup just at the right time. Oh, I know. So, well, the backstory is last week, we, we I, my internet went down. Actually, it turned out to be one of my one of my time capsules was was messing with the network. Um, I, I've, I've since switched over to my complete, uh, everything's on one um, you know, fast, speedy router, router now. But um, yeah, one of my time capsules was acting up and me- messing with the network. And so I lost my, my connection halfway through the show. And the way we record here is, is you know, we, uh, I mean, I record and then we also have a backup recording that we record on Zoom. And um, somehow I got knocked off, which meant, but I had, sto- I was hosting the meeting. So when I came back, um, the software, I saw the software say it was saving the file, right? And it saves us off to the to the drive. And then, um, and it processes it, turns it into into MP3s or whatever. But the when I came back, it said, hey, the meeting's still running. Do you want to start? A, I thought I should start a new meeting, but it said, no, just join the existing meeting. And so I, I went, okay, fine, I joined the existing meeting. What I didn't realize was at the end of the call is it basically, since the ID of the of the call was the same, it just overwrote the original files, right? So thankfully, we, we gabbed for a long time because um, time capsule runs, I think, every 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, when I went to record, do the do the final mix on, on Friday, start, you know, mixing down mixing down the show, um, I realized that I didn't have the first half of the show because it had been overwritten. And, you know, we're like, well, what are we going to do? And I started editing the show, trying to edit out all of Mark's stuff because we didn't have Mark's track, <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. which was made for really weird kind of editing. And then I thought, you know, then I thought, and we were chatting about it on Slack, and I thought, well, let me just check the time capsule. What are the odds that, you know, like like maybe the time capsule did run? And I'm, I'm crazy about backups. I actually run three time capsules during the week anyway, right? Uh, and they all run, they, one runs, and then the next one runs, and so on and so forth, because not one of them is 100% reliable. But it just turned out that when I went to restore, I went looked at the folder, and I you go into time capsule on that folder, you can set the time back. And I went back to, like, you know, um, around the time we were recording or finishing the recording. And thankfully, time capsule had captured the thread. So, so I restored it, renamed it something different so it wouldn't it wouldn't mess it up. And then, yeah, then then I was able to get the original recording back. But what it's so, such a fluke, really, you know. But and it's all because, the I guess, the, the people who make Zoom didn't think about an edge case where, you know, uh, a, one, the, the host recording would get interrupted halfway through, you know. And, like, why wouldn't they think of, like, using a different name? But I've noticed that, too, that it seems to use the same names over and over again, which is kind of odd. Because I, I worry about that with Spotcast, too, because I could accidentally overwrite the Spotcast or overwrite my, more than just code with Spotcast and so on and so forth. If you record one night after the other, right? Totally weird. Maybe they're recycling hey. the folders. Yeah, well, you guys always used to give me a hard time about that. Like, <laughs> I still will. I have to scroll very far. Well, this is how the sausage is made. I had to scroll very far down on Dropbox to make well, sure just, I, just, I'm getting the, the episode title or number right. All I do is, all I do is click on the top and tell it to, to order reverse. So I always put the, la- I always look at my folder, my binder folders with the latest date at the top, right? So I have the most current files always, or folder or whatever is always at the top. And I, I live by that sort of routine. But um, I'm afraid of typos is- because I've made them before. And clearly I made a, a mistake by not verifying my 
my side of the recording. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's why we had to go to your time machine backup of like, oh. I, had, I had my QuickTime. I didn't have our Zoom backup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What really drives me crazy is, is Jonathan calls his, his side recording SpotCast 58, which is what I call the episode, right? So it's really annoying that like you put your name on yours, I put my name on mine, you know, but yeah, he's, he's a goof yeah. that way. And, and if the fine folks at Zoom would use like, you know, normally this isn't, uh, you know, globally unique enough to be yeah. effective, but I think it's pretty reasonable that if they chose down to like the second that you started yeah. the yeah. Uh, the recording and said, that's going to be the file name, yeah. you know, this date, this time down to this second, it's very unlikely that you have a critical so, data loss if you start and then stop within the same second of audio recording. So here, here's the math question for folks out there and, and maybe it's ridiculous, but I only have, I have a free Dropbox account, which I started years ago. I think I only have eight gigabytes of space that I, that I earned by, you know, remember you used to invite people and you get you to earn like a, you know, a quarter meg, quarter of a meg, gig, whatever. It wasn't very much, right? So every folder on the more than just code, you know, podcast folder on Dropbox costs me six kilobytes. Right? <laughs> so how many possible folders could I have, you know, at that rate, right? Probably, probably tens of thousands, I suppose, right? But yeah, it's just, you know, they do cost something. I mean, they're not free. <laughs> so yeah, because he's, he's joking because I used to recycle the folders. I used to just rename the old folders because they're all empty. I mean, I've got, I've got like, I don't know how many, I mean, let me look and see how many are in here. I mean, if we want to do that way, right? So we're we're in the... There are 142 uh, folders in here right now. We're so. in the, the reuse part, right? So we've recycled, we've reused, but we really should be reducing. So if we just went down to one folder to yeah. drop things into for MTJC and one folder to drop in for SpotCast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be good. Know, no, but numbering them this way, like, I don't know. It's not as if we, you know... Well, I already demonstrated that three of us have... Like, there's three of us on SpotCast and all three of us have a different naming convention, right? So... <laughs> naming is difficult. <laughs> yeah. We, I think we talked about that in like episode two of this podcast, didn't we? Standards are I'm difficult. Sure. It's, it's sort of the, uh, you know, everything that we're dealing with here, you know, uh, manual versus automated processes. Yeah. How many backups yeah. do you actually have? Like all of these are just this me- and naming stuff are metaphors for software development. Yeah, that's true. Like the yeah. grasshopper and the ant. That's, that's, that's us. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny whenever, you know, my wife and I are complaining about search engines and, you know, like not search engines in general, but I mean, search engines on specific websites when, like the other day I was on Best Buy looking for a Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt 2 adapter from Apple, right? You know, it's the one that lets you plug a Thunderbolt thing into a Thunderbolt thing, right? But I was calling it Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3. So I went to Best Buy's website and looked for it. They didn't have it, right? And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have this thing? Like it's an Apple product or an Apple reseller. You should have it listed. And because their their software or their search is not sophisticated enough to say, well, maybe you meant this, you know, which, which all into the same criteria, right? Or or it really drives me crazy when I go to search for something like Thunderbolt 2 and it just assumes that I want Thunderbolt 3 or it assumes that, like, it gives me results for the, the number 2 as well as the word Thunderbolt, you know? Like, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that case, since it is, I have had difficulty searching for those sorts of things. Um, it makes me think that what they really should be doing is visual searching of, like, I need an adapter. I have this hole and I have this hole. So take a picture of all your holes and, yeah, yeah. and Submit and then, and then the yeah. Apple reviewer is looking at like, what is this nonsense? Like, no, declined for explicit materials. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's not an orifice. <laughs> Whole. <laughs> well, they do have. They call them male and female.
Bible too, which is another thing that I've always had a weird. I found that a weird convention. But anyway, um, I often when I'm going to search for things on web, websites, I will go to the images results, and and because I'd rather look for an image than try and figure out whether this. But but my I guess the the, the mic dropping point about this is that we have had natural language processing available to us for what three four years now at least at the consumer level. You know, like we could have been building natural language processing into our app since I don't know 2017 maybe 2016 right I know Sam mm-hmm. Davies did a demo a demo at that 360i dev right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I remember yeah. Ayako Nonaka doing something with the NLP yeah. stuff anyway. probably before Siri even maybe, yeah. maybe Siri might have been around no yeah. I think Siri's been around for a while but but notwithstanding the fact that I still haven't put natural language processing into my own app so I guess you know mea culpa there too right whatever Interesting. My neighbor is pretty famous for musician is doing a free concert on Facebook next on Thursday. A lot of people are doing neat stuff. There's museums opening up their collections and symphonies opening up their archives. People are putting more stuff. Um, we'll end up talking, I'm sure, on Spotcast about stuff going online and becoming freely available, or uh, you can pay for it, but you wouldn't normally have been able to get it before. Right. A lot of, a lot of differences. Yeah. I've been kind of wondering what I'm going to do. Like, I've still got a back log of stuff to watch. I'm not even sure if I'm going to start um, Westworld. So that already happened, what, Sunday? Mm. I might wait a few weeks and then binge to catch up and finish it in real time with the month that, that's left to go. So I was thinking of doing it. So far, it's working out so pretty good. I haven't seen any spoilers yet. For what? Sorry. For Westworld. Didn't Westworld just start? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's today or something, right? Sunday, I thought. Was it Sunday? Mm. Yeah, I thought Sunday was the premiere. There's lots of things. Amazing stories to watch. I started watching that um, one about the game. Uh, on Apple TV, Mythic Quest or whatever. Mythic Quest, yeah, I didn't actually yeah. get a chance to start that one. How how was that? Uh, it was okay. First episode in, but uh, it's you know it's very very uh, very much like a development shop. <laughs> you know, I don't want to spoil it for you. Mm. Um, last week I had talked about Lego Masters, and that I wasn't sure when they were going to do the bridge building. It turns out it was that very same day. Right, right. So I had fun watching that episode. Um, mm-hmm. It was amazing how much weight that they were able to hold. Amazing. Mm. It's worth a watch if only for that and, and watching the canada zone will arnett cheesing <laughs> it up as these uh these lego builders build some really cool stuff mm. and and you were right about uh, the mass singer my mind i was broken blown I was, blown your mind i was blown? shook and you were right they got so close in a way in a yeah. certain point of view yeah, yeah yeah and i i i couldn't imagine being on this timeline you know Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.